Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Let's pray together. Almighty God, thank you for an opportunity to step into your house, to be in your presence, and to worship you. We come to lift your name on high. We come to give of ourselves. We come to hear your voice. We come to respond. Lord, we we come because we want to be touched and moved by you. We ask that you would open us up. Give us courage. Help us to move toward you this morning as you draw us to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of John. We've been studying the Gospel of John. We're in chapter 11. We're going to be reading the first 16 verses of chapter 11. Now, uh, you may know this story, uh, the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. A powerful story. We're only going to hit the first little piece of it. This story is so incredible, it's going to take us three weeks to get through this story. So uh, just all kinds of exciting things happening. And in this morning's uh, passage, we begin with Jesus learning about Lazarus' illness. So in chapter 11, verse 1, we read, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard Lazarus was sick, He stared where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there? Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe but let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, or the twin, said to the rest of the disciples, let's also go that we may die with him. May God add God's blessing, the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. You've just heard this week's focus scripture. Now on to the sermon, starting momentarily. Can you get it on there? This is, this is the moment of truth. There it is. Oh, look at that. <clears throat> Looks like it might actually work this morning. I, I always love using technology, you know, because uh, as, as much as we believe that technology is a sure thing, there's an element of faith to it when I use it. <laughs> and, it, you know, you kind of watch it and you're like, okay, 
is this really going to work? And uh, we've been working with our presentation software, and things have sometimes worked and sometimes not. So <clears throat> this morning we're, we're trusting in faith. <clears throat> the problem is we're putting faith in a presentation software. This morning uh, I would suggest that we put our faith in something different, that being the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and we're going to talk this morning about a pause. Um, and one of the, every time I think of a pause, I, I think of the tornado I went through. I, I don't know if you've ever lived through a tornado, but we, we actually had one hit our house, um, and it moved, uh, it moved, well, it actually hit our garage. It moved our garage, and um, I, I'll never forget it. Um, you know, you, you go, you're upstairs, and everything is nice and just the way it's supposed to be, and you go to the basement. When you come up, there are things missing. Uh, the house across the street, for instance, <clears throat> missing. Uh, uh, just a, a really bizarre experience. But I remember very clearly, oh, sorry, I remember very clearly right before the tornado hit, it got really still. And it was almost like there was a pause. I mean, the wind had been blowing and it had been kind of crazy before that. And all of a sudden, everything stopped. And there was a pause. <clears throat> Sirens went off. You run to the basement. The sound gets incredibly loud. You come up and everything's gone. I incredible just experience. Some, for some reason, right before the storm, there was this pause. It's a lull. Have you ever heard of this? Am I talking to anybody else experience this? Sometimes before other storms that happen. Just kind of this lull before the storm. <coughs> Excuse me. In this morning's passage, that's what we're experiencing. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, this isn't going to happen. <coughs> Um, that's what we're experiencing. We're now moving from Jesus' teaching ministry. And of course, what's he been teaching? He's been teaching about the love of God and how that love is going to be fulfilled through his own death, burial, and resurrection. That's what he's been teaching over and over and over again. <clears throat> and now we're moving. This is a transition passage. We're moving from talking about it <coughs> to actually heading into it. And in that transition, there's this pause. And pauses are very important, aren't they? They really make an effect. I, it sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. Huh? It's, this is going to be fun, I can tell. <coughs> uh, pauses give us a chance to stop and think, to begin to plan, to begin to reflect. Jesus gives his disciples this opportunity. It's time to sit back and think about what's going to happen. Think about what's ahead. Think about everything you've heard before and think about what's going to come. And the pause gives you that opportunity. As a matter of fact, I would suggest to you that when someone's talking to you and they give you that pause, they expect you in that pause to be thinking about what has just been said, right? Isn't that why we pause? To get people to stop and think. It's either that or we forgot the next word. And that happens once in a while too. But usually a pause for purpose 
is a pause to get us to put things back into perspective. And this morning as we face our pause, Jesus has been teaching. Now he's going to head towards the cross. And things are going to happen very quickly. And by the way, John chapter 11 is like the middle of the Gospel of John. John gives half of it to Jesus' teaching, and the other half we're headed right towards the cross. And of course, we're moving into Lent, right? So isn't that interesting how that fits in together for us. So we're going to be walking towards the cross. I would suggest that this Lent, you put yourself in the place of one of Jesus' disciples. How would you respond? What would you say? How would you uh, go about following Jesus when you know what is coming? That, That wasn't a surprise. They'd been told over and over and over again. And yet when it happens, all of a sudden they have to stop and say, now what am I going to do? Jesus is trying to give them that pause right now. Think about how are you going to respond when they come to arrest Jesus? How are you going to respond when they hang Him on the cross? How are you going to respond? Needs to be decided now, not when it happens, correct? And even if you decide, does that mean you'll follow through? Well, some will and some won't. So this morning, as we take this pause, uh, we're going to pause for perspective with Jesus. And we're going to listen. And now a lot of things are happening. Lazarus is dying. Uh, By the way, Jesus loved Lazarus and Martha and Mary. And don't... uh, 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 movie guy made a whole lot of out of that. Don't make more out of it than it is. He loved these people. He'd stay with them. When he went to Jerusalem, Bethany wasn't far away, so he'd stay with them because they were f- fun to stay with. And, and obviously they were uh, good hosts, and he had grown to love them. He knew them very well. And Lazarus was special to Jesus. As a matter of fact, some people suggest that when it says Jesus loved Lazarus, you remember in, in, in the Gospel of John, there are places where um, it talks about the one whom Jesus loved. And many of us say, well, it must be John, right? <clears throat> he just didn't want to point himself out. Maybe it was Lazarus. Because we know Jesus loved Lazarus. It says so right there. And here Lazarus is sick. Now, if you have a friend that's sick, what do you do? Well, you say, sorry, you're sick. Now, if they're contagious, you say, well, I'll see you when you get better. But if you know someone is sick and dying and they're a good friend, what do you do? You, you, you pray, yes, Lee, you pray, but, but don't you get up and you want to go see them. You want to make sure you see them because they're sick. You want to make sure they know that you love them. And yet Jesus decides to hang out for two whole days and wait. There's a pause. And during that time, Lazarus dies. And during that time, Jesus is trying to get his disciples to put on a new perspective. I want to suggest to you this morning that we are in the middle of a pause. 
you have taken some time out from your week, and you have come here, and most of you are still awake, and, and you've come here, and you've, you've created a pause in your life. Now, for some of you, it was a lot of work to get here. I thank God that you're here. And just realize, right now, you can take a deep breath. It's a pause. But it's not just a pause so you can relax. It's a pause for you to stop and think. What is God calling you to? What is Jesus doing in your life? What's happening? In this pause, it's time to get a perspective. And the first thing... We see in this perspective <laughs> is that Jesus is trying to get his disciples to decide to walk in the light. Now, I don't know if you, when you read that. When I first read this passage years ago, I got to verse uh, <clears throat> 9 there, and I'm like, Jesus, all of a sudden you're talking about walking in the light and 12 hours a day, and what are you talking about? And then I began to realize that when he starts talking about walking in the light, our desire is to walk in the light of Jesus Christ. He's trying to get them to see that as a human being, the best time to walk is during the day, right? Because you walk in the night, you, you fall over things. You run into things. I, when I get up in the night, I don't like to turn on a light. And so I get up and I, I, I try to find my way, whether I'm going to the bathroom or get something to drink, whatever it is, I try to find my way in the dark. There's only one problem with that. We have a black dog. <laughs> now, <clears throat> you, you know that even in the dark, most nights you can kind of see, right? And you can make shadows and shapes. And, but a black dog on a dark carpet, you, you, you don't see him. And a poor dog, I've stepped on him a number of times. I've tripped over him a number of times because I didn't want to turn on a light. I didn't want to disturb anybody else. But the truth of the matter is, all I had to do was turn on a light, and if the light was there, I would see the dog, and I wouldn't trip, and I wouldn't fall. Jesus is trying to get his disciples to see that in this darkness that's going to come upon them, and it's going to get very dark for the disciples, You see, they're going to follow Jesus into Jerusalem. And as they get there, things are going to begin to unravel quickly. And though they're going to try to be brave and try to be big about it, it's going to get really dark. And they're going to be challenged over and over again. Their faith is going to be challenged. They're going to be challenged with life and death. They're going to have to make some critical decisions. And if they made a decision to follow the light today, if they made the decision to follow Jesus today, when it got dark, they'd still have the light and they'd see the obstacles in the way. And the truth of the matter is, if they had followed Jesus all the way to the cross and then to the tomb and stayed there, they would have experienced something really incredible. But the truth of the matter is, when it got dark, even though here they're they're trying to say they're going to be brave, even so, when it got really dark, they they started to run. And they got lost in the darkness. It's a tough thing in this world to walk into the darkness, isn't it? Some of you have walked into it in many different ways. 
Some of you walked into the, the darkness of divorce. Many of us have walked in through the darkness of death. Some of us have been surrounded by the darkness of, of parents who, who aren't all they should be. Some of us find ourselves in the darkness of debt. Some of us find ourselves in the darkness of fear. The truth of the matter is that when you walk in this world, you will find yourself surrounded by darkness. Jesus is trying to get you to see that in the midst of the darkness, if you would follow the light, if you would allow His light to shine in your life, you would begin to discover that even the darkness is not dark to, the God, to our God. That He gives us a light to get through, a path to follow. And if we are willing to follow that, we can actually see the victory on the other side. The struggle is to continue to follow it in the midst of the darkness. when John started this gospel, you remember when we started studying it, oh, so many weeks ago. One of the first things he wanted you to know, that the true light, Jesus he's talking about, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That was his Christmas story. That there was actually going to be light in the midst of the darkness of this world. That Jesus could actually give you a direction and a hope and a purpose in the midst of the darkness that you find yourself in. I get so excited when I see people following the light in the midst of their darkness. Because I know that Jesus is going to do something great as they put their trust in Him and follow Him. See, Jesus said, I am the light. And it's going to show up there. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I've been with many families who are walking through grief. And just because you're a follower of Jesus Christ doesn't mean you won't grieve. But if you're following Jesus Christ in the midst of your grief, there's still hope even in the darkness. I've followed people who have gone through divorce and some very dark times in divorce. Divorce is a very painful thing. And they struggle. And they, but those who keep hold of the light, in the end they see the glory and the gifts of God that continue to flow in their lives. I've seen people lose their jobs. And in the midst of that darkness, still put their trust in Jesus Christ and find the light in the midst of it. And in the end, I've seen them victorious, find new employment, a place where they can be used by God in new and exciting ways. You see, it's not a matter of being lost in the darkness. You don't have to stumble. You don't have to give up. If you carry the light, then you begin to find the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. It's incredible to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Never, never, never forget that it's incredible to be a follower of Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world. 
He has come into your heart so that you would never have to stumble in the darkness again. The disciples are going to come up against some very faith-challenging things, and they're going to have to make some decisions. This morning, I encourage you, before you face those faith-challenging things again, decide to walk in the light. Decide to follow Jesus. Start on that path. Second thing um, that, that I've, I believe Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples in this pause is that they would wake up. Wake up. Okay. Um, now, uh, this is the way I usually wake up. <laughs> but waking up is a very important thing to do. If all you do is sleep, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss what God is doing. You're going to miss the glory of God. You're going to miss the whole thing. Jesus says to the disciples, I'm going to go and wake Lazarus up. And the disciples, they're all about sleep. If you know anything about the disciples, did you notice that? If you know anything about disciples, I mean the disciples, you know they're all about sleep. And, and they, get, they easily get caught up into sleep. One of my favorite stories of the disciples, because I get it so much, is when they're supposed to be watching and praying while Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. You remember that? Here Jesus is in anguish. He's, he's all upset. He's only a stone's throw away. And, and he's pouring out his heart to God. And the disciples are over there. And I know their hearts wanted to be there with Jesus. And they see how upset he is. But you know, it's getting kind of late, Jesus. And I'm really kind of tired. And, and I'm sure they prayed for a while. And all of a sudden, Jesus is waking them up. You see, they're all about sleep. Something about disciples. They, they, they get caught up in the sleep. And Jesus says, Simon, he says to Simon Peter, the disciple, couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Jesus is trying to get us to wake up. Uh, Lazarus was dead, and he was going to wake Lazarus up physically. Uh, but the truth of the matter is there are many who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ that might as well be dead. They spiritually have fallen asleep. Oh, they, they get themselves up and they get to worship Sunday morning sometimes. And, and they, they try, to, try to put on a, 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 a mask like somehow they're awake. Uh, but, but even in the, it's like the zombie world, you know? <clears throat> you know what I'm talking about? Zombies have been big just recently again. And, and, and I think some of us are spiritual zombies, we're walking around asleep, dead as it were. Jesus would have us wake up because when we wake up, then we begin to see what he's doing in our lives. You see, it's not just a matter of Sunday morning. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. What is God doing? Where is he calling? How is he affecting my life? Am I awake spiritually or am I only awake Sunday morning and then barely The truth of the matter is you're either moving ahead or you're moving backwards when you're trying to follow Jesus. There's no middle ground. <clears throat> at, the, um, at the annual meeting, I, I suggested that we stop and we look at our lives right now 
And then we see at the end of next year if we've really grown at all in Jesus Christ. And of course, the the scripture I use is um, that we should live by faith, not by sight. If we're a follower of Jesus Christ, when we get to the end of next year, we should be able to say, I live more by faith now than I did at the end of this year. Are we actually awake or are we actually asleep? Jesus is trying to get the disciples to wake up. You, you've heard as a disciple what's going to happen. You've heard the struggles that are, you're going to face. The question is, are you going to be awake enough spiritually to continue to move on and follow Jesus? Or are you going to find yourself asleep and wake up in the middle of something and miss what he was doing, what he was calling you to? When you're awake, Jesus is doing exciting things. I just want you to know, Jesus is doing exciting things in your life every day. Don't miss it. Wake up. Start seeking him. Start looking for him. Start expecting him to work. And you'll begin to see him moving and working in your life. Get some spiritual coffee. Or Mountain Dews, case may be. Get get in that Scripture and see if Jesus won't say something to you and see if He won't make a difference as you offer up some time, just a little bit. You don't have to spend your whole day. Spend just a little bit of time. You watch that little bit of time. If you are faithful to it, will not be enough if you're truly seeking Christ in it. Wake up. It's time to wake up and live. Be alive in Christ. The disciples said, oh, if he's sleeping, that's a good thing. No, 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 no. Wake up. God is doing great things. Don't miss it. If the disciples had decided to stay asleep that night, they would have missed the arrest of Jesus. Some of them probably wish they had. Too bad they weren't paying close attention because if you remember, in the middle of the arrest, Simon Peter, Mr. Um, macho, whips out his sword. He's going to put them all to shame. He whacks at Malchus's ear, the, the servant of the high priest. The, the ear comes off, and Jesus stops everything. So, wait, 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 wait. This isn't how we do this. And he takes his hand, and he heals the, the servant's ear. Did you miss what, what God was doing? When they come to get him, uh, they say, who? Where is Jesus, the one we seek? And and Jesus stands up and says, it's me. And and the Scripture says they all fell back because of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can can you imagine? Uh, And the disciples, did they not see that? But when he's rested, what do they do? They run. Lastly, To get this perspective just right, um, Jesus would have us uh, learn to believe. Learn to believe. (coughs) You know, uh, these poor disciples. (laughs) uh, One of the best verses in this passage is verse 8. I hope hope you didn't miss verse 8. These are Jesus' disciples. They've been following him now for, uh, for probably almost three years. 
And yet in verse 8, they still call him rabbi. Did you notice that? Teacher. He's proclaimed himself Lord of the world. He's proclaimed himself the Son of God. He has claimed, proclaimed himself God incarnate. And they're still calling him rabbi. Teacher. When he says, hey, let's go to Judea and, 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 and uh, go to Lazarus' house, they immediately throw up their hands and say, you don't want to do that, Jesus. Last time you were there, they tried to stone you. Don't go there. Now, wait a minute. Hasn't the disciples been listening to Jesus the whole time? Haven't they figured this out? And you almost want to say, gee, they, they really don't believe, do they? Be careful, brothers and sisters in Christ. When you start proclaiming someone else you don't know believes or doesn't believe in Jesus, be very careful. If I were to be with the disciples that day, I would have said, none of these disciples have any idea who Jesus is. He's been telling them over and over, listen to them. They call him rabbi, they don't want to follow him, they don't want to go where he wants to go, until we get to that last verse we read. Did you catch that last verse? A guy named Thomas. You remember Thomas? He, he gathers another name over the years. But here he's known as Thomas uh, the Didymus, called Didymus, which means twin. He was a twin. Did you know Thomas was a twin? And here is Thomas. And Thomas, out of all these people who, who, who have claimed to be followers of Jesus Christ, and yet in this moment seem to have lost all connection with what Jesus has been saying, Thomas finally says, oh, well, why don't we just follow him and, and die with him? And die with him. And I hear Thomas's heart. Do you hear Thomas's heart? Thomas says, we, we might as well just go and, and die with him. Something's different in Thomas's heart. He's willing to follow Jesus. So he says. And so he will act on, at least for the time being. You see, what we see, we get a glimpse at, at Thomas's heart. Thomas does believe. You know, I'm always reminded when I, when I struggle with, with belief, my own belief, when things happen and I say, where is God? Why is God doing that? I, I don't get it. God, uh, it doesn't make sense anymore. And I begin to struggle. And, and then all of a sudden I hear Jesus say, do you believe in me? And I think of the boy who, whose son was, or the man whose son was uh, sick. You remember that? <clears throat> threw himself into the fire. And he comes to Jesus. He says, Jesus, can you help me? And Jesus says, do you believe? And the man, the man in all honesty looks at Jesus and said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. The truth of the matter is, none of us have gotten to the point where we believe 100%. Oh, we say it sometimes. We say, yeah, I believe 100%. I believe the Bible 100% until the Bible says something that challenges me that I don't want to believe. Oh, we don't add that part. I believe the Bible 100%. The truth of the matter, we're all still learning to believe. We have a tendency to judge one another and look at one another and say, well, that person really doesn't believe. 
The truth of the matter is, the bottom line is where's your heart? You see, the disciples will all run. And the disciples will goof up over and over and over again. And the disciples were still trying to figure it out even after the resurrection. And I would suggest to you the disciples were still trying to figure some of it out through the rest of their lives. They were learning to believe. And the truth of the matter is that's what the Christian life is about. Learning to believe. And it starts with a decision to follow Jesus. And if that's your heart, then even when you begin to walk off the path, Jesus will grab you and pull you and encourage you. And the truth of the matter is your heart is, I want to follow Jesus. And when the hard times come and you begin to wonder and ask all those questions, nothing wrong with those questions. You need to know God's a big God. You ask God any question you want to ask Him. He knows all the answers, and He knows all the questions. You go ahead and ask Him, but don't give up hope in an answer. I walked with many young families, teenagers, when I worked at Mott Children's Hospital, whose children, whose babies were dying, and I I got the wonderful gift of working in the intensive care unit at Mott Children's Hospital as a chaplain. Mott Children's Hospital is a tertiary care unit where they take babies to either have a miracle happen, in my mind, or they would die. And many of these parents were teenagers, young kids. And of course, I stood there as a representative of the Almighty God. Think of this a minute. A representative of the Almighty God And they'd look me in the face and they'd say, why? Why did God allow this to happen to my baby? Why? Why doesn't God heal my child? Why? You represent God. Tell me why. Of course, being a representative of God, I had all the answers. Or none. And I would look at them and I'd say, I don't know. Do you know that's an okay answer? If you don't know, say, I don't know. Making up an answer is painful. I'd say, I don't know. But then I'd say this, I do know this. I know that God watched His Son die. And He knows how hurt your heart is. And he cries with you. Where do you go with that? My hope was if they had in their heart a desire to follow Jesus, that they would hear the love of Jesus in my words and in God's word. And if they would, that light would shine through. And if they began to follow that light, God would lead them through this darkness. It may not seem like they would get through it, but God would lead them through. And there were once or twice 
you could see the light of God begin to shine in their eyes. And as we walked the rest of the way together, they began to realize that God was going to be with them through the darkness. That God would get them through to the other side. Oh, there were days when they didn't believe it. But because their hearts were set on following Jesus, they began to realize that it was true. And God got them through. You see, we're followers of Jesus. And because of that, Jesus would have us get a new perspective. And he gives us this moment right here to put that perspective on. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the Scripture is clear that the persecution of the church will increase. The days are going to get dark. You talk to any older person, not me of course, but you talk to any older person, and you ask them, are things better today than they were when you were a kid? And most of them will say, morally, spiritually, things have deteriorated drastically in our culture. And the truth of the matter is, the Scripture says that's going to happen more and more and more. But for those who hold the light of Jesus Christ in their life, in the midst of the darkness, that light will keep them from stumbling. And if they follow Jesus all the way, the Scripture is very clear. This is not all there is, folks. There's glory yet to come. What's your perspective this morning? As we pause, as we take this pause in our lives for personal identification, what's your identification? Have you put your trust in Jesus Christ? Is your heart to follow Him? Is that where you've started? Decide today to walk in the light, not in the darkness. And ask Him to come into your life. And He'll give you light. It, it, it's incredible. He'll give you light. I don't care what darkness you're walking through right now. He will give you that light. I'm not saying life will get good. I'm saying He'll give you a light, a path, a direction to follow. You trust Him. Are you willing this morning to wake up and stop living your life like today is no different than yesterday? Or are you willing to say, okay, from now on, Jesus, I want to... I want to grow in you. I want to keep moving forward. I'm not going to lay around and sleep anymore spiritually. I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to be faithful. and I'm going to do all that I can to move forward, to get involved. I'm not going to hang back. I'm going to get involved. Are you willing this morning to go the next step and say, Lord Jesus, I believe you for this and this and this, but when I get to this, I struggle Teach me to believe so that when I get to that point, I will be prepared. It's a pause. What are you going to do with it? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time this morning to just spend with you and to stop in the midst of our lives and consider, put things back into perspective. Lord, for those who came who don't have that relationship with you, 
May they see that they walk in darkness. And they stumble and fall over and over again because they don't have a light. And may they today decide to walk in you, to become a follower of you. Lord Jesus, we pray that you'd wake us up. Wake your church up, Lord Jesus. That we would be expecting you to work throughout our lives. That we'd be looking for you everywhere we turn. That we would expect you to do great things. That that we wouldn't lay back, but that we'd step forward. That we would see your hand at work. Father, we pray this morning that you would teach us to believe. Be with us in those places where our faith is challenged. Teach us to be more like you. We offer up ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning that you recognize.